Well, I want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, before we get started, uh, I want us to keep uh, Jennifer Steele and her mom, Glenda, in prayer. They have had to go to South Texas today for a funeral service. Uh, I think it was, what, what was it, Glenda's brother, stepbrother? Well, he was killed on a motorcycle. And... Uh, They've traveled down to South Texas, Brazoria, I believe, is the name of the town where they went. So y'all pray for them to give them a safe trip there and a safe trip home. And they're down there with their family, so uh, we just want to lift them up to God to give them that peace and that comfort that only God can give. And uh, at a time like this, please just keep them in prayer and for God's safe travel in their life down there. Uh, two, uh, we will have communion today. Today is Communion Sunday, or the first Sunday of every month we do communion. And right before the communion, we'll have a little film on communion, and it's about a minute long or just maybe a little over. So we will have that along with, uh, with the communion service. But uh, what I want to do this today, I've kind of got to thinking about a few things and I've entitled my, mes my message Mustard Seed Faith. You know, they say that the mustard seed is the very, very smallest of all seed. But it grows into the, one of the largest trees that there is. That's what God is telling us. He says, God, in the Bible, God said, I have given you the measure of faith. Every one of us has a certain amount of, of, of faith. You know, it said the measure, not a measure. The measure is a certain amount. A measure could be any amount. But God said, I have given you the measure of faith. That's the faith to believe. And that's what we have to do in order to please God and to serve God is to believe in God, believe He is who He says He is, He'll do what He says He'll do, believe that Jesus Christ is His Son that came and saved us when He went to that cross. You know, we sang a song a while ago, 10,000 Angels. I love that song. And it says that He could have called 10,000 angels to come and destroy the world and remove Him from that cross. He had a job to do for each one of us. You know, when He was on the cross, He said, Father, it is finished. It wasn't a relief to Jesus. Father, thank goodness it's over with. No, Jesus was saying, Father, it is finished. I have done what you have sent me to do. The redemption and the salvation of man is complete. He came to save us, and that's exactly what He did. And... Uh, we just really need to be thankful to the Lord Jesus for everything that He's done in our life, everything He's doing, and what He's going to do. He's not through with us yet. He's still got a lot of work to do. I know He's got a lot of work to do with me, because I, I need a lot of work. Yes. And uh, thank you. I needed that. But, uh, yes, He's got a lot of work for all of us to do. And... Uh, Martha was telling me this morning, her son Tim, he works at uh, <coughs> Ossip's out here on 199, but he got the chance to talk to a young man, and that young man accepted Christ right there in the store. So, you know, God is working constantly if we will just be obedient and do what God tells us to do. 
probably some of you have been, you've been tempted to say something about Jesus to somebody and you didn't do it. We all have. But when you feel that coming on you, that's God saying, talk to that man. He needs me in his life. And it may just be at that point right now, that young man or woman or whoever is ready to say yes to Christ. And unless somebody invites them, most of the time they'll never do it. You know, it's just like coming to church. I've talked to people, I said, you ever, have, 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 do you go to church anywhere? And they'll say, well, no, I don't. I said, do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. Well, how come you're not in church? He said, nobody's ever invited me. Think about that. Nobody's ever invited me. When's the last time you've invited somebody to church? You may have missed a great opportunity. It might have been somebody right there saying, Oh, I wish they'd asked me to come to their church. Oh, I wish. Because some people just hate to go into a church without being invited, not knowing what, what they're expecting. So, if you get that opportunity, invite somebody. Let's, let's get this church filled back up. You know, ever since this COVID mess come in, it's been a struggle. Many people use it as, a, as an excuse not to come back to church. Well, that COVID, you know, it's, it's rising up again. It's doing this and it's doing that. To me, right here would be the safest place to be. That COVID's got to go through God before it goes to you. So just think about that. You're God's child. You belong to Him. And, uh, but that's what God requires. Is you've got to have at least mustard seed faith to please me. Mustard seed faith is very small faith, but that's a start. You know, that's what God's saying. He says, I put some faith in you. Now use it. And he's just saying, give me something to work with. Give me some faith to work with. Let me, let me progress your life. Let me help you in your faith. You know, and that's a very good prayer. Father, help me in my faith. There was a man that prayed that about his son. And we're going to look at something right here in just a minute. I'm going to read this. I don't know what all that humming is. I don't know. It's coming. Is it the... But I'm going to read a scripture here. And uh, it's in Matthew. Well, just a minute. Let, let Roy see if I... Maybe his guitar. Or somebody's. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but I want to read this scripture to you. Uh, I almost did it, but it was, it was, it was, it was when I decided what I was going to do, it had been too late. I was going to have the girls sing a song again. They sung it once before. Speak to the mountain. I love that song. But this goes right along. Matter of fact, it's the same scripture. And I'm, I want to read this to you. I'm going to read. Chap, I'm going to read out of chapter 
Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. Because it kind of lines it up why Jesus is saying what he is saying. You know, Jesus always has a reason for what he does. And this is a reason he was, he was kind of getting on to his disciples. You know, to me, the disciples ought to have been the one that would be the very first to believe in who Jesus was and what he did. They traveled with him. They walked with him. They seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. They seen the lame made to walk. They seen the deaf made to talk. You know, they saw all this, but yet they still had doubts. I don't understand it. But I wasn't in their place. And if it happened right now, you know, I, I hope that whatever is in this Bible, I believe. This is God's Word to us. It's to inspire. It says it's God's inspired Word. It's not written by... Most people say, well, yeah, I know the Bible, but it's written by men. That's true, it was. But it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the Bible was written. Man didn't write it on his own. God told these men what to write. What he wanted you to know. And that's what they wrote. They didn't write anything other than what the Holy Spirit told them to write. So this here is God's letter. This Bible, just look at it, is God's letter to us. It's his instructions. Matter of fact, they say Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. You ever thought about that? We need to know some things before our time comes. And we need to be full of faith. But anyway, here it, it says here, it says, and when they were come to the multitude, this is Jesus and his disciples, when they had come to all this multitude of people, then this takes place. There came to him a certain man kneeling down to Jesus and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sorely vexed. In other words, he is mentally unstable. And for oftentimes he falls into the fire and into the water. This is simply Satan trying to destroy this man's young son. And, and he says, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Then Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer? Or how long shall I allow this to keep going on? And he says, bring him here to me. So Jesus is now telling his father, bring your son to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of that child. <laughs> and the child was cured from that very hour. The moment that Jesus touched that child and he rebuked David, but he, and he rebuked Satan, that young man was cured. Healed. Totally. Completely. And then here in verse 19, And then the disciples <coughs> came to Jesus and said, Why could we not cast out that devil? Why couldn't we do it? Notice what Jesus says. And this is still true for today. This is still true for today. It says, And Jesus said unto his disciples, <coughs> Because of your unbelief. 
For verily or truly I say unto you, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove from here to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible for you. How many of you believe that? Now, we're talking, well, you mean I can move a mountain? Possible. But in this case, the mountain is not just a regular mountain. A mountain is your problems, your troubles, the things that are coming against you, the things that the devil has mounted up to attack you with. That's your mountain. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a wayward child. Whatever the case, you want that mountain moved. Jesus said, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can speak to that problem, and that problem is going to have to move. How many of us do this? Very few of us. That's what God's Word is about. He's instructing us on how to take care of and to do certain things that come into our life. Oh, yes, we can pray to Him. We can pray to Jesus, and Jesus will hear us. He will answer us our prayers. But you know, there comes a time in our life when we have to quit telling God about our mountain and tell our mountain who our God is. Do you realize the powerful and the almighty God that you serve? You know, I mean, Satan knows who he is. And really, Satan don't want anything to do with him because Satan knows that he can't defeat God. <clears throat> Many ask, well, what do I say to that mountain? What would you say to a problem in your life that you needed to have moved? Many say, well, how do I speak to that mountain? What do I say to that mountain about my God? You tell them that your God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. Tell him he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that he cannot do. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. He's the only God that can do this. No other gods. You know, you try to start talking about other gods and you're talking about idols. You're talking about stone, sticks, whatever. They're dead. But our God is fully alive and on the throne. And he hears us and he knows what we need in our lives. But he wants us to come to him. He wants us to tell him. He wants our visitation. He wants us just a father-child relationship. That's what God wants from us. And, but you just tell that mountain that, you, that you're standing on God's Word, you stand on God's promises, and you do not doubt what God's Word says. See, that's what, that, that's what God said. Doubt and do without, believe and receive. When we, got to, when we go to doubting, doubting will cancel out faith. But when you've got a lot of faith, that cancels out your doubt. So it depends on what you've got the most of it's what's going to happen in your life. If you've got more doubt than you've got faith, you're not going to succeed in talking to God. But when you get rid of that doubt, doubt, leave me now in the name of Jesus. I do not want nothing to do with you. All I want is my faith and my God. I know who my God is, and I know how much He loves me, and I'm going to stand on His Word, I'm going to stand on His promises, and I'm not going to doubt what His Word tells me.
And you know, you'd be surprised what will take place in your life, how your life changes, what God will do. <coughs> you know, have y'all thought about something? We're talking about, about uh, you know, faith and all that. You know, what about Goliath? I got to thinking about Goliath. He, ha he held an entire Israeli army captive. How'd he do it? Fear. He held them captive by fear of him. They said Goliath was a huge man. He was a large man. He intimidated. People would look at him and they would fear him. Goliath's weapon that he really depended on was intimidation. And this is exactly how Satan works. He intimidates us. He lies to us. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies and the truth is not in him. Anytime Satan tells you anything at all, no matter what it is, it's a lie. He cannot tell the truth. He is the father of all the lies. And uh, here in 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Satan walks around like a roaring lion. It says he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We got a word here, like. He walks around like a lion. But you know, Satan's an imposter. Jesus is the true lion. He is the lion of Judah. And when he roars, everything shakes. You just remember, who is the true lion? Who's in charge? Who's all-powerful? Who can take care of all things that comes against you? And that's Almighty God. <coughs> and uh, whether we realize it or not, Jesus has given us power and authority to do these things that he's asked, he told us we could do. Matter of fact, he, he told us, us, he said, when I go back to earth, I'm giving my church power and authority to do the things I did when I walked here on this earth. He said, I have all power and authority on earth, under earth, and in heaven. He has all power. There is nothing more powerful with more power than God. We have to realize who we serve. And, and on top of that, he loves you. He loves you. He wants to protect you. He wants to be a part of your life. And he wants us to call upon his mighty, mighty name. Uh, he has given, like I said a while ago, he has given the church the authority to use his name. Why do we say, in Jesus' name, I pray? We're using his name because we're using his power and we're using his authority. He says... Oh, he says, I am giving you the keys to heaven. When somebody gives you a key, what are they giving you? Think about something. They're giving you authority to use that key. If they give you the key to their house, they're giving you the authority to go into their home. If they give you the key to their, your, their car, they're giving you the authority to use that car. Jesus said, I am giving you authority to use my name and to use my words whenever things come against you. How many of us, let me ask you a question. How many of us, when things start coming against us, how many, I rebuke this thing in the name of Jesus? Probably very few of us. 
We need to use that name because there is no name above that name. There's no name above him. So why would you want to use another name? Every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's in charge. He's over it all. And one day, Satan and every unbeliever, every atheist, all of them, is going to meet Jesus Christ. And they are going to bow before him. They're going to confess he is Lord. He is the Son of God. Then they're going to believe, I do believe in you, Jesus. Sorry, it's too late. But every knee will bow before Christ. You know, we need to act like Jesus' church. We need to start acting like the Jesus' church and live like the believers were supposed to be. You ever think about that? To live like what God wants us to be? To live the way God wants us to live? To do the things that God wants us to do? You know, the believers we are supposed to be is when, okay, when that mountain rises up into your life, we need to start and just start speaking to that mountain. And I like it. In the, in, in the scriptures, it says it. And speak with authority. What authority? The authority that Jesus Christ gave us to use. And that mountain must move. And you can claim your victory in the name of Jesus. You know, I think, oh, it's not, look what i done. Look what I did. It's, look what he's done and look what he's did. Not us, but the power of the living Christ that lives on the inside of you. Do you realize that you've got the authority of Christ living on the inside of you? I want to, I want to look at a couple of scriptures here. It says, I want to look at what the Bible tells us in Romans 8.31. Now think about this, and this is so true. If God be for us, who can be against us? What power can come against you if God is for you? There's no power greater than that of God. They're wasting their time. When God's power and authority is in us, the enemy cannot touch you. The enemy cannot touch you. And here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, this is something that we all need to understand and get it down on the inside of us. He said, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. You have overcome the demons. You've overcome Satan. You've overcome the unbelievers. It says, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You have the, you have the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God living on the inside of you right now. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment you said, Lord, I'm a sinner, come into my life, save me. You know what happened? You were saved. You're heaven bound and the Holy Spirit moved in to your life. He's on the inside of you right now. That's, and again, that's God's very Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You think you don't have power? 
when you have the Spirit of God in you, on you, working through you, you've got so much power and you don't even know it. You test it out sometime. Just see what just see what God says. Try me and see what I'll do. Try me. See if I won't keep my word. See if I won't do what I say I'll do. See if I won't be that God to you I said I am. Do y'all realize that God knows you by name? He knows who you are. He knows everything you've done. He knows everything you're going to do. That's scary. My wife won't even hardly go out of the house. You know, she had a guardian angel, but he's in a mental state right now. He, you know, she, he rode with her one time in the car. Never been the same since. So, but God lives on the very inside of us. He's keeping us safe. He's watching over us. And uh, here in, in Philippians, I, I love this. Philippians 4.13, and you probably already know what it is. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength to do it. And very few of us ever test that out. Oh, woe is me. Look what I'm going through. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to speak to that mountain. I'm going to make that mountain move because God said I could make it move if I had faith and did not doubt. I have the authority to speak to the mountain. I have the authority to make that mountain move. You do the same. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been saved, you've got that same authority. Every one of you got the same authority if you, if you, if you don't doubt and you believe. If you, if you know who God is and that God's Word is true, that God is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, and He's everywhere at one time, and you've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, how much more power do you need? There's nothing that can touch you that God will not allow. You know, sometimes God allows us to go through things, just like He did Job. He allowed Job to go through some things, just to show how faithful Job was. And in the end, after Job went through everything, God blessed him more highly than he had ever been blessed. He said he had twice as much as he ever had. Because he was faithful. He didn't, he, he didn't quit believing in God because he was going through a little hardship. He didn't quit believing in God. Even though his friends told him how bad he was, he still believed God. His wife even told him, said, why don't you just curse God and die? He wouldn't do that. His faith and his belief was in God Almighty, and God blessed him totally and completely. And like I said, he said that he had twice as much. He was a very, very rich man. Had many, many livestock, children. He just, he had, he had all the money. But they said that after all this was over, and he never lost his faith, but he, he kept believing in God, knowing that God was still going to bless him somehow. But he had twice as much in the end as he did when he started. 
don't ever quit believing in God. You know, and then the Bible also tells us here in Romans 8, 37, in all things that come against us, we are more than conquerors. You're more than a winner. You are a child of God. And his hand is on you, protecting you, watching over you, walking with you. You are more than a conqueror. <coughs> we have to know that, that, that God, when God is with us, like he said a while ago, who can be against us? You know, it's just kind of like I said earlier, we need to stop telling God about our mountain and what we're going through and start telling our mountain about our God. Disappoint that mountain. Let that mountain know who you, who you serve, who your God is and what your God can do. You know, it's time for us as Christians to claim the victory that Jesus has already won for us. You know, Jesus won the victory for us on the cross. He won it. Satan's already defeated, and Satan knows it. He's a defeated enemy that he's going to have to bow himself before Jesus Christ. It's just whenever Jesus does it. Jesus proclaimed the victory for the church. Do you know most people, when they say church, they're thinking about this building. The building is not the church. You are the church. Each individual, you are the church. Not this building. This, is, this building is just a place where the church meets. <clears throat> Jesus proclaimed the victory for the church, us, in, in, when he said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. Whose church? His church. When I will build my church. You belong to Jesus. You're his. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now Jesus did not say, we will build the church. He said, I will build my church. It's going to be the way he wants it, not how we want it. You know, too many of us in church, we want it a certain way. That may not be the way Jesus wants it. And it's going to be like Jesus wants, not how we want it. Many people will leave church, well, I didn't like the way they did that. Well, maybe Jesus liked it, that's why he did it that way. You know, I've, I've heard them talk about churches splitting and getting angry at each other because they put down the wrong color carpet. Wrong color chairs. We ought to just be very proud and glad that we've got a place to come and worship Jesus. Jesus isn't looking at the color of this carpet. He isn't looking at the color of the chairs. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at your heart. At your heart. How you feel about him. I hope we all love him with all our mind, soul, and heart. Our mind, soul, strength, and heart. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment ever, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's why we should love God. Now this church belongs to Jesus Christ 
And so does the battle that comes into your life because you belong to God. Here, you say, you mean God will fight my battles? I want to read your scripture here right fast. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. I love this scripture because it tells who's in charge and who's going to fight our battles. And God said, Listen to me, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. This says the Lord unto you. He had a large, large army coming against him. He didn't know what to do. How am I going to take care of this? How can I defeat this army? He's not, but God is. This says the Lord unto you, Jehoshaphat. Be not afraid. Or nor dismayed, or he says, don't worry or be depressed about what's going on right now. I've got it under control. By reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. He said, don't worry about it. This battle is not yours. You see what's happening, but you're not going to fight it. Matter of fact, he told Jehoshaphat, go over and stand and what I'm going to do this day. Well, understand, watch what I'm going to do this day. God fought the battle. And needless to say, God won that battle. He defeated the Syrian army that was coming against Jehoshaphat. Totally wiped them out. <coughs> and, you know, notice what we're going to say. And Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Now notice something. He said they would not prevail. Jesus did not say that the gates of hell would not come against us. Every one of us have things coming against us. But you're going to prevail. Jesus said you was. If you belong to Jesus, he said you're going to prevail over this. Because the battle is not yours, but it's mine. And I'm watching over you. I'm taking care of you. Trust in me. Believe my word. Believe what I am telling you. You know, our battles, the church's battle, your battle belongs to God. And I'm going to tell you one thing. God has never lost a battle and he never will. He'll never lose a battle. Put your faith and put your trust in God. Speak to that mountain. Tell them who your God is. Tell them how powerful your God is. Tell them what your God's going to do to that mountain. And tell that mountain, he better hit the road now while he can. Get rid of that mountain out of your life. And when we get on our knees in prayer and in faith, God becomes all that much stronger in us. When we kneel before God, God rises us up more higher. Gives us more power. Gives us more strength. Because we are in prayer to him putting our faith and our trust in Him, believing in Him, knowing that He's going to take care of everything. You don't have anything to worry about. If we could ever get this into our minds, I'm serving the living, the true God. He walks with me daily. He lives on the inside of me. What do I have to fear? And some of us live in fear of what is going to happen. The Bible says, For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but that of love, power, and a sound mind. Notice, he did not give us the spirit of fear. 
Fear is a spirit. You know who that spirit's from? Satan. He wants you to fear. He wants to intimidate you. He wants you to be scared. He wants you to be so frightened that you don't even think about calling on God. That's what Satan uses to intimidate us is fear. Just like Goliath intimidated the Israeli army, he's put fear into them. But here comes little David with his slingshot. Serving an almighty God. Trusting in his God. You know, even old King Saul tried to give David his shield, his sword, and all that. Well, David was just a small guy. He couldn't even carry the shield or nothing. Saul, I don't need this. I've got all I need, and my trust and my faith is in Almighty God, and He will protect me. How many of you say that? Little David went out there, not fearing. not He, he knew that God was with him. It said he looked, he picked up three small, smooth stones. He took one of those stones, put it in his slingshot. When Satan walks out there, there's only one place where Goliath was vulnerable. One spot. He had his helmet on, he had the shield on, armor. God guided that stone because of David's faith. David took that, that slingshot, slung it around his head, and he let it go. The only spot that was open was right between Goliath's eyes. And David was right on target. I'll put God was right on target. He hit Goliath right between the eyes and dropped him. That army saw Goliath hit the ground, and they started running. You know, David had the right attitude, though. He goes over to Goliath. Goliath. Goliath's sword's there. David picks up Goliath's sword. What did he do? He cut Goliath's head off. Why? He said, not going to take any chances. I don't want this problem rising up before me again. Sometimes we have to cut the head off of our problems so they don't rise back up. That's what David was saying. I'm going to cut this head off so that he does not rise back up and cause any more trouble. How do we cut the enemy's head off? By God. Putting everything in God's hands. God, my faith is in you. My trust is in you. I'm counting on you. I will not waver. My faith will not waver. Lord, I'm standing on your promises. I'm standing on your word. And I'm calling this here done and completed in the name of Jesus. That's what we have to do. Put our faith and our trust in God. So in closing, I'm going to ask the band to come up. So that's, again, let's stop telling God about our mountain and start telling our mountain about our God. Tell that mountain, tell that problem about your God and what your God can do and will do. So I'm going to ask this band to come up. If you're here today and you've got something going on in your life, we've got altars here. If you would like to come and kneel before God, give Him that opportunity, God, you know what's going on in my life. 
Lord, I'm bringing this problem to you, and Lord, I'm asking you to take care of it. My faith and my trust is in you, not in man, but in you. If you'd just like to have a word of prayer, I'll be glad to pray with you. I'll stand in agreement with you for what you need. But God's here today to meet your need and to remove your mountain. So if you need to, come up here, kneel, and ask God to come into your life.